0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come here this morning and hear from your word and know that it is your word, that this is not a collection of stories, this is not a collection of wise writings, this is not just uh, some principles for life. And we know that it is those things, that it is stories, it is wise, it does give us principles, but Lord, it is not just those things. It is your word. Lord, we pray that we may treat it as such this morning, that we may not think that Isaiah is just giving us some good advice that we could leave or take. Lord, may we hear your voice through Isaiah this morning. May we be humbled by what he says to us. May we recognize our sinfulness and turn towards Jesus Christ all the more in repentance and faith. And we pray this in his name. Amen. In life, there are different degrees of things, aren't there? We can start off with something small, and then we get larger and larger and larger. There's different measurements for things. And I notice this particularly when I go to fast food outlets. When I go to McDonald's or Hungry Jack's, there, of course, are meals that you can get up on the board. But then there's not just meals, there's Small, medium and large meals. So the fries, of course, will be much larger and the drinks will be larger if you go up the grading. And then there's that movie, Super Size Me. Have you seen that? Where a a guy in America, he decides to go on a 30-day trek of eating McDonald's for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And he measures what it does to his health and he sort of gives commentary as he eats and how he's feeling. And in America, I don't know whether they still have it, they don't have it here at McDonald's as far as I'm aware, is the supersize meal, which is giant fries and giant drink. And every time that the um, person at McDonald's says to him, would you like to supersize that, his deal is that he will accept it. And so he, um, every time they say, would you like to supersize that meal, sir?, he gets the supersized fries, the supersized drink, and the first time he does it, afterwards in the McDonald's car park, he throws up from, from eating all the fries. Um, very interesting movie. I contemplated whether it might be helpful for me. Well, not helpful. Whether I would enjoy doing that for 30 days. Um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That could be, um, interesting. At least for a week. That would be a good exercise, I think. Um, but we can supersize lots of things, can't we? And if we do, Eat supersized meals all the time. Well, of course, we soon will be supersized ourselves. Um, and there are different gradings of things all the time. What about when it comes to sin? Is there different levels of sin? Is there small sin, medium sin, large sin? I think there is grading of sin. And I think Isaiah knows there's grading of sin. And when he looks at the people in Jerusalem and Judah, the Jews there, He knows that they are sinners, and he has a word from God that they are sinners. But how bad is their sin? Does he say that they are supersized sinners? I think yes. He doesn't use the word supersized, but he does tell us that these are terrible sinners that are in Judah and Jerusalem. And he gives us quite a few clues in verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah chapter 3. Starting back in Isaiah, last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 3, verses 1 through to 7 and 8. This week we're going to concentrate on verses 8 to 11. So if you've got a black church pew Bible, I encourage you to have that open at page 678 for Isaiah chapter 3. And we'll be looking from verse 8 through to 11. And firstly, we're going to look at the Jews' supersized sin. That's my first main point this morning. The Jews' sin is supersized. Now, how do we know that it's supersized sin? Well, firstly, we see that they're sinning in word and deed. What does it say in verse 8? Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord. We can sin in many different ways, and one way we can sin, of course, is with our words. We can say to someone, I hate you. And then we can leave it at that. But these guys are not just leaving it at words, they're also sinning in deed. And it shows how supersized their sin is. They're not just stopping at, I hate you, they're also lopping the person's head off. I hate you, I wish you were dead, and then they actually go ahead and do it. They're supersized sinners because they're sinning in both word and deed. How else do we know that they're supersized in their sinning? Well... They're supersized sinners because they do it in God's presence. What does it say, verse 8? Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. They're doing it in his eyes, is another translation. They're sinning while they know God is watching them. They're sinning defiantly against him. And that is supersized sin. Even my son Joshua, 18 months old, he knows to hide his sin and not do it in my presence. He already knows that, like the laundry cupboards, he's not allowed in them. So what does he do? He goes into the laundry and then shuts the door. And then you know there's a problem. If If he leaves the door open, there's not a problem. He probably will stay obedient. But if he goes in, and shuts the door, and then is very quiet. You know something's up. He knows to not defy me in my presence. Do the Jews know not to defy God in his presence? No, it says that they're doing the opposite. They're defying him in his glorious presence. They know he is there. They know he is watching what they're doing. And what do they do? They sin. They couldn't care less that he is watching them. And they are the ones that do know he's there. See, other nations, they haven't been told by God that he is there. They haven't had God reveal himself to them. They haven't had God give them the law like the Jews did. And so they are super-sized sinners because they know that God is there and that God is watching And they sin regardless. They sin in his glorious presence. They're supersized sinners. How else are they supersized sinners? Well, because they show it on their faces. Verse 9. The look on their faces testifies against them. How does the look on your face testify against you? Well, this is generally when it comes to lying, isn't it? If you lie to someone... They can sometimes tell that you're sinning in lying because they look at the way you're smiling or they look at the way you're very stern when you say it or they look at the volume of your voice as you come across and tell them um, something. They can tell by your face that you're lying. How does that show that they're supersized sinners? Well, when the look on your face gives you away, it generally indicates something of the level of sin so it's very easy to lie about eating something that you shouldn't have. Did you take a cookie? Oh, no. And it might seem, oh, yes, okay, genuine, no, there. But it's a case of, did you kill your brother? It's much harder to lie about someone that you murdered. And you see this in the movies where someone murders someone and it's real struggle for them to come clean And to not give it away. And the cops get them into the room and they go, yeah, this person's lying. When it's a serious sin, your face will give you away. And that's what's happening in Judah and Jerusalem with the Jews. They're supersized sinners because their faces are just giving them away. They're showing that they're doing evil things because it's just written all over their faces. How else do we know that they're supersized sinners? Well, they parade their sin like Sodom. Verse 9, the look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. What's Sodom? Sodom is that place in Genesis that was so evil that burning sulfur came down from heaven and destroyed it. And the people of Sodom were known what for? Well, primarily for sexual perversions, homosexual acts, and they were proud of what they were doing. The word parade there could also be declare. And so they're happy to tell people what they're doing. And that shows supersized sin. They're terrible sinners because they're just happy for everybody to know that they're sinning. Usually there's that instinct, like my son Joshua, to hide the sin. But here they parade it, like Sodom. And so they're doing the sins of Sodom as well the sexual sins that Sodom was notorious for are going on here in Jerusalem and Judah. And then one last way that we know that they're supersized sinners is that they do not hide it. Verse 9, the look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Now, some of these ideas are very similar. So sinning in his glorious presence shows that He's not they're not hiding it. Parading their sin shows they're not hiding it. But here it says it again, just very explicitly for us. They do not hide their sin. They do not hide their sin from God, and they don't even hide it from each other. They're happy for others to see them sinning. They parade their sin, they declare their sin, they just don't hide it at all. And that shows they're terrible sinners, because they couldn't care less what other people think of them. They are not ashamed of their sin at all. And that shows that they're just terrible, terrible supersized sinners. So that's the Jews here in this particular part of Jewish history. What about today? Are people still supersized in their sin? The answer is yes. And that's my second main point this morning. People's sin is still supersized. People still sin in word and deed. It's not like everybody today only sins in word. People still do horrible things acts of sin against other people. People still sin in God's glorious presence. Many, many people around the world know that God is there. They know that God is still there watching over them, what they do. And what do they do? They sin in spite of God watching. Who are those people that know that God is there? Christians. We've been told that God is there. We believe that he is there. Does that stop us sinning? No. We continue to sin in spite of God's glorious presence being there. Sin is still written all over people's faces when they lie. Yes, we can tell. With children, but when you get a bit older, you think, oh, yes, I've been able to cover up my lies a bit better. But no, adults still give it away on their face that they are lying. It still happens today. Still supersized sinners. What about parading sin like Sodom? Sexual sins? Do people do that? They parade their sin? They declare it? Yes. There's a terrible billboard I saw when I went to the airport and I heard about it in the news, but then I saw it there and it made it even worse um, just to see it there. Of And, and the, the slogan on it is, life is short, have an affair. Have you heard of this group on the internet that encouraged spouses who want to have an affair, how to meet up. So it's a connecting uh, system. And so you pay the site, you join up as a member, and then you get in touch with other spouses that are wanting to have an affair. It's been over in America for a while, but now it's here in Australia. It's been picked up on the news, and um, I saw it in the newspaper firstly, but then I saw it on a billboard, and it just really, the shock just hit me. That's parading sin like Sodom. That we are happy having acts of adultery. Life is short Have an affair. And it's not just when it comes to adultery. There's sexual perversions happening, the homosexual perversion that was happening in Sodom. Today, our federal parliament is considering legitimizing homosexual acts by having homosexual marriage and undermining traditional marriage, declaring it, parading it, In the political circles and coming back to the people and in the media, it's all legitimised that this is okay, that this sin we're happy to declare and parade about. And, of course, there are the homosexual parades, aren't there, the Mardi Gras, where they come through and they say, we are proud of our sexual perversions, just like the people of Sodom. People are supersized sinners today. And when it comes to pornography, it's gone completely mainstream used to be hidden. People didn't approve of it. But now it's just out there. You can find it on the internet, but you don't even have to go on the internet to see pornography. It's legitimised in so many ways. It's legitimised as an advert. They hold it up there, and it's pornography. It may be soft pornography, but it's pornography. Or they advertise it as, they say it's music videos. You go to the gym, and it's just pornography. You've got to recognise that it is. But they legitimise it, or they call it Art. They parade their sin. People do today. And sin is supersized because it's often not hidden at all. The other way that we see that the Jews were supersized sinners was that they did not hide it. And we do that all the time. People today don't hide their sin at all. We say killing babies in the womb is okay. It's all right to have an abortion and not hide what we're doing It's all right for prominent atheists to speak out and declare horrible things about God and publish books. It used to be a shameful thing to be an atheist. These days it's something to be proud of. But of course, they're just showing they're supersized sinners. They don't don't care about hiding their sin any longer. And even little things like traffic offences. We speed. We don't hide it. Well, we might hide it when the police car is behind you. But when there's no police car in sight or no camera that's going to take a photo of us, we couldn't care less what the people around us think of us. We don't hide it at all. We'll park wherever we like. We'll speed through red lights. We don't hide our sin. People are still supersized sinners, just like the Jews. But who's to blame? Who's responsible for the sin? For the supersized sin. Are these Jews responsible for their sin? The answer is yes. And so that's my third main point this morning. The Jews are responsible for their supersized sin. Next week we'll look at the leaders and how they have some responsibility for the people going into these acts of supersized sin. But the passage that we look at today squarely puts the blame at the people's door. What does it say, verse 9? The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. They have brought it upon themselves. They are responsible for their sins. And then down in verse 11. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Their hands have done it. So they are responsible for their sins. The Jews did the crime, and they will do the time. They can't blame somebody else for their sin. The disaster that's coming upon them, which we heard about last week, where the place is just falling down around their ears, people are being taken away, that's their fault. Their sin, their fault, their responsibility. What about today? Are people still responsible for their own sin? Or is somebody else responsible? That brings me to my fourth main point. People are still responsible for their own sin. People are still responsible for supersized sin. Your sin is your sin. No one else's. It's your sin. You are responsible for it. We've got to resist this pop psychology that comes across all the time of deterministic Freudian teaching that says that, oh, it's not your fault, it's your family's fault. It was your bad upbringing, your father or your mother is to blame for your sin. Or it was your sister or your brother that was responsible for you sinning. Or it's your spouse, you've got a terrible husband or a terrible wife and they've pressured you into lashing out. Or divorcing. It's not your fault. It's somebody else. Or even your children. You know, they're always screaming, always making a muck in the house. So you lost your temper. But it's the children's fault that did it. It's not your fault. Or it's your teacher's fault. At school, you know, you had a bad teacher. Or there were bullies at school. And so that's why you are the way you are today, that you've ended up committing all these crimes well, the really good one to blame is the government. It's the government's fault that I am what I am, that I've been led to do this sin. Or it's my friend's. Uh, she was a good friend for a while there, but then she went and did this, and so I had to do that in response. It's their fault. Or we just blame our economic status. I don't have any money, so I was forced to cheat on my taxes. I... Um, I have to drive to work a long distance because I can't afford to live any closer and so I have to speed to get to work. I have to do this traffic violation, turn right where I'm not supposed to because, you know, it's, oh it's the dodgy road rules that are around, you know, why can't I turn right there? It's just stupid. I have to run the red light there because there's just not enough time to get through. Someone else's fault. Or we just think it's our class status that, you know, well I'm not as If I was a celebrity and had lots of money, well, then I wouldn't sin. But because I'm where I am, I do have to sin in certain ways. It's somebody else's fault for my sin. But that's not true. You've got to resist that thinking that comes across. You are responsible for your sin. You do the crime, you do the time for your sin. And there is time for your sin. There is punishment. Punishment came to these Israelites and punishment is coming to those who sin against God. He may delay, but ultimately you will be punished for what you've done. There is time, significant amount of time, an eternity of time for the crime that you do, an eternity of suffering in hell. You are responsible for your sin. But is there any hope? Well, there was in Isaiah's day. Did you see the hope that was given there in verse 10? There's all this stuff about supersized sin, but then in verse 10 there is a word of blessing for some. It says in verse 10, tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. So that's my fifth main point this morning. It is well for the righteous. Here among the Jews there are righteous people and they are being told by Isaiah. God's telling Isaiah, go to them and tell them it will be well with you. It will be okay. Everything will work out. You will enjoy the fruit of your deeds. And so there is hope here amongst the supersized sinners that there are People who it will be well for. The righteous will be okay. But what about today? Is it still well for the righteous? Is this word here in Isaiah, tell the righteous it will be well with them, still applicable today? Well, yes, the promise does stand. We see in the New Testament again and again it says the righteous will be okay. And so it's a good thing. There is hope. But how do you get to be righteous? It's only the righteous that it's well for. How do you get to be righteous? Is it by doing the right thing? By doing good things? Well, no. Our wrong things contaminate us and spoil all the good things that we're supposed to do. We're all supersized sinners. We're not righteous, if we're honest. You do the wrong thing again and again. You defy God's glorious presence. You sin in word and deed. You you uh, don't hide your sin. You're supersized sinners. So you aren't the righteous. So it's not well for you, is it? There is no one righteous, not even one. Isn't that what Romans tells us? No one is okay then. Is that right? There is a way to be righteous. And that is through Jesus Christ. We are supersized sinners, but if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he took your supersized sin on the cross and took that punishment, that disaster that was to come to you, then it is well for you because you have his righteousness imputed to you. Your unrighteousness, your supersized sin is put upon Jesus at the cross and that great exchange happens where his righteousness comes over to you and the promise stands for you. It is well for you. You will enjoy the fruit of Jesus' deeds. How do you get that? You repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. You say to God, I am sorry for being a supersized sinner. May Jesus' death be for me. And you trust that it is so. And then you produce righteousness with the power of Christ. We as Christians can actually do the right thing. It is wonderful to know that. We still sin, but... With God's grace, we're actually able to do good things and we are rewarded for that. We have Christ's righteousness which gains us access to heaven but then through our own right deeds, God will reward us and we will enjoy the fruit of our righteousness. When we get to heaven, rewards will be given for what you've done, how you use your life. It is well for the righteous. So what about you? Have you recognized that your sin is supersized? That you have committed these sins that they are accused of here in word and deed, defying his glorious presence? Have you sinned in God's eyes and known that he is there and you went ahead and sinned anyway? Have you recognized that your face testifies against you, against your sin all the time? Do you Recognize that you parade your sin like Sodom, that you have sexual sins going on, all of us do, in our heads, and sometimes we're honest about them and actually act out on them and parade them in certain ways. Do you recognize that you often do not even hide your sin? Anyone who has a car license must recognize this, that they often do not hide their sin from the other cars around on the road. Do you recognize you're a supersized sinner? And do you accept responsibility for your sin? Or do you blame other people? It's very easy to blame other people. It's been happening since the first sin. What did Adam do when he was accused of sin? He said, ah, it's the woman you put here with me. Two people are to blame. The woman and you, God, for bringing the woman here. He doesn't accept responsibility. And we still do that today. Do you accept responsibility for your sin or do you blame other people? I hope that you repent of your sins and have believed in Jesus Christ's righteousness for you and have claimed this promise for yourself. If you haven't, do it right now. Believe in Jesus and his righteousness so that it is well with you today and will be well with you for an eternity to come. Let's speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do confess that we are supersized sinners. That when we look at these Jews, we see ourselves so easily. We defy your glorious presence. We do not hide our sins. We parade our sins. Lord, We have sinned in both word and deed. Lord, we need your help, or otherwise disaster will come to us. Woe will be us. Lord, we pray that everyone in this room has repented of their sins and believed in Jesus Christ so that it is well with them, that they are righteous through Jesus and start to do righteous deeds by Jesus' power and strength. Lord, if there is someone in this room who is not a Christian, who has not repented of their sins and believed in Jesus' righteousness, may they recognize their supersized sin and may they put their faith in him today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.